thank you for joining me for today's podcast episode. Um, today I have another Nebuchadnezzar lecture, of course, as always. And this is an undated lecture, and it is titled, Catch the Mood. You will find tonight's message a very practical one. I don't think it will disturb anyone, but there are adjustments to be made concerning what man believes God to be and what God really is. We are told in Scripture, in the birth of the twins, which begins the great drama as told in Scripture, in your limbs. And I am speaking now not of anyone, but of you individually. In your limbs lie nations twain, rival races from their birth. One the mastery will gain, the younger or the elder reign. Genesis twenty-five twenty-three, Moffat Translation. These are in you individually. We are told that the younger, which naturally is the second, the second man, is a lord from heaven. That's the second man. He sleeps in you. You will rouse him. He will become the master. He will reign. At the moment, in the majority of the world, they are totally unaware of it. So he sleeps, and so he doesn't reign. That one known in scripture is called Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is your own wonderful human imagination. That is God. Now the whole vast world and all within it is nothing more than the appeasement of hunger. That's the whole of life, the appeasement of hunger. And there are infinite states from which the Lord may view the world to appease that hunger. The first man can't do it. He can only feed upon what his senses dictate. Wherever he is, he feeds upon the facts of life as he sees the facts. It takes a second man to disengage himself from that restriction and enter into a state, any state in the world, and feed upon it, and then, in time, bring the first man to feed upon it. We are told in the 14th chapter of John, Let not your heart be troubled, neither be afraid. Ye believe in God, believe in me also. John 14.1 Now this is not a man talking to you from the outside. Believe also in me. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In the same chapter he is going to tell you he is God. But what man would actually believe that this presence Within himself is God. Now he tells you, Be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46.10 This is not another man speaking to you, other than yourself. Be still and know that I am God, or know that I am is God. Can you believe that? If you can believe that, then all things are possible to you. For all things are possible to God. Matthew nineteen twenty six. Can a man really believe that? That's what I am told in the 46th Psalm. Be still and know that I. But the little word is in there now. Now we are told. He sleeps and then came the call. Rouse thyself. 
Why sleepest thou, O Lord? Do not cast us off forever. Psalm 44.23 This one sleeps in man. Man has to rouse him. He doesn't know that this that his own wonderful human imagination is God. Now, in my Father's house are many mansions. Were it not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? When I go, I will come again, and I will receive you to myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. John 14, 2 and 3. Now this conversation takes place in you individually, between the two. I am speaking not of myself. In my Father's house, I am the Father, are unnumbered mansions, states of consciousness. Were not so what I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And when I go, I will come again, and I will receive you to myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. I am standing here, and my senses tie me here in these rooms, or in this room, but I don't want to be here. I want to be elsewhere. I know my bank balance. I know my obligations to life. I'm tied by what I know. The outer man feeds upon that. But he wants more than that. There's something in me, the second man, who was born from heaven, who is telling me there are unnumbered mansions into which I can go. You can't go. I can go and prepare it for you. But when I go to prepare it for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there ye may be also. Now how do I do it? I take a look at my world, and I am very restricted. Everything about me is something I would like to break through, transcend it, become a bigger person, a more secure person, where I'm doing a greater job in the world. All these things I would like to do, but reason tells me I'm not doing it. And my senses confirm my reason. Now is there something in me that is my true self that can do it? Yes. My imagination can do it. In my imagination, I go and prepare the state. I actually go into the state and fill that state with my own being and view the world from that state. I don't think of it, I think from it. When I think from it, I'm actually preparing that state. Then I return to where I left this, the elder man, and once more fuse with it and we become one once again. Now I take him across a bridge of incidents, some series of events that takes me towards the thing that I've prepared, and I take him with me and enter into the very state itself. He feel, he feeds now literally upon that state. This is what I call prayer. I don't vote for it. I don't petition. I ask no being in the world, no one, including what the world would say is God. For when you find God by being still and know that I am is God, then to whom can you turn for anything in this world? If you really believe scripture, be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46.10 If you are not familiar with scripture, read it in the 46th chapter of the Psalms of David, the 10th verse. Be still and know that I am God. Then to whom could you turn? 
It's an inner communion with self. But man talks to an outside God and pleads with an outside God and begs an outside God. This reminds me of a dinner party that William Lyons Phelps gave. If you do not know who he is, in fact, who he was, he was one of the truly great educators in our country in this 20th century, William Lyons Phelps. He and Mrs. Phelps entertained Edna Ferber, the writer. As they sat down to dinner, Miss Phelps said to him, William, will you please say grace? He closed his eyes, bent his head, and after maybe 10 or 15 seconds, he said, Amen. And she said to him, Why, William, I did not hear one word that you said. And he said to her, I was not talking to you, my dear. People sit down to say grace as, Bless the hands that prepared this food. All these words meaning nothing. You go within, and you don't petition, you appropriate. Prayer is nothing more than the subjective, subjective appropriation of the objective hope. I hope for so-and-so. I want it as an objective fact. Now I must go within and appropriate it subjectively. So prayer is the subjective appropriation of the objective hope. That is what I call faith in God, which is nothing more than faith in myself, for the self of man, the true identity of man, is God. That is the Jesus Christ of Scripture. Do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you? Test yourselves and see. That is what we are told to do in Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. Read it in the 13th chapter, the 5th verse of 2 Corinthians. Examine yourselves to see whether you are holding to the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you? 2 Corinthians 13.5 Revised Standard Version Well, if he is in me, then where will I go to meet him? How will I address him? He is in me. He, he is in my very self. I simply commune with myself. There are unnumbered states in the world, so I single out the state that I want to express in this world, and I don't ask you or anyone else in the world if it is good for me. I don't consult anyone. Does it come within the frame of the golden rule? What am I now asking? Would I ask it for another? Would I ask another? If what I am seeking now for another is something I would ask for myself, well, the golden rule is, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If you keep that in mind, you cannot go wrong. What's wrong with asking for anything in this world for another that you would ask for yourself? Is there anything wrong in being secure? Nothing. Anything wrong in being clean and wholesome and decent? Anything wrong in being one who contributes to the world's good? What's wrong with that? Is there anything wrong in being happily married, proud of the girl who bears your name, or she proud of the man whose name she bears? What is wrong with that? Forget that. The whole vast world is a field to reap. You don't pick out this woman or that woman. Pick out the state. I want to be blissfully happy. And if I were, how would I see the world? And how would the world see me? Well, shut out the world and go within and appropriate that state. 
and from within you let your friends see you, as they would have to see you if what now you are assuming that you are is really true. That is why I have titled tonight's talk The Mood, Catching the Mood. This whole thing is based upon that mood, the 25th chapter of the book of Genesis. And she brought forth twins, for in her limbs were these rival races, rival races from their birth, called in scripture Esau and Jacob. And you think they were two individuals who lived thousands of years ago. No, they are right here in everyone in this world. These are the eternal states of consciousness personified in scripture as two little boys. Scripture is not secular history. It is salvation history. And so they did not live thousands of years ago. They live now in you, and you have to give birth to both of them. You have given birth to the first one. The first one is your outer man, the man who is now a man of the senses, a man who is covered with hair, as we are told. Esau came out first, and he was covered with hair all over. Whether you be female or male, you are covered with hair all over. That is the external you, the man of the sense world. Then in comes the second man, or the second son. And he is the smoothest skinned lad, called Jacob. The name Jacob means to supplant. He is going to supplant his brother. He is the second, but he will come first. The second man is the Lord from heaven, and the second son is your own wonderful human imagination. When you stir it and rouse it and make him come into being, you can do wonders in this world. Try it right now. You sit here in this room. I stand here, I could, in the twinkling of an eye, put myself outside of this room and view it from there and see the interior of this room, not from this lectern, but see it from the outside. That is exercising the inner man. Go outside mentally, not physically, and view this room from the outside. I'll see it here. I could put myself in my hotel room downstairs, and then view this room and think of it. But thinking from my room downstairs, I can put myself in any part of the world and think from it, and think of the world and everything else. That is the secret. Thinking from what I want instead of thinking of what I want. When I know what I want in this world, when I am thinking of it, it is always beyond me. When I know what I want, I enter into that state and think from it. Put yourself mentally into your own home tonight, now, and view this building, this club, from your home. And you see this building, not from it. You think of it, and you are viewing it from your room. Now the state of consciousness to which you most constantly return is a place you really dwell. That habitual state from which you view the world. Do you view it from poverty, saying, I am poor? Do you walk the street feeling how poor I am? You are then viewing the world from the state of poverty. Am I viewing the world from the state of one who is completely unknown and unwanted? Well, that's my home. The place to which I habitually return constitutes my dwelling place. I need not dwell there. In my father's house are unnumbered mansions. Were it not so, 
what I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And when I go and prepare the place, I will return again and take you with me. That where I am, and that state prepared, you shall be also. So I now take a state. I want to be known. I want to contribute to the world's good. I want also to live well, and I mean well. I want to feel secure, not only financially, but socially secure socially. That when I enter a room, I am not embarrassed, no matter who they are. They can have all the degrees in the world. They can come from all the great universities in the world and be honored by the world. But I want to stand in their presence and not feel little. I want to feel a man. I'm not to bow my head in shame because of any restriction in my past. If I were born behind the eight ball socially, financially, intellectually, it doesn't matter. I want to feel important. I want to feel great. I want to feel right. All right, what state would that be if it were true? I conceive a state that, if it were true, that would make all my wishes come true. I go into that state. Now the first time I enter the state and view the world from it, it is wonderful. But I may never re-enter that state. Therefore, it is not my home. I want to make the state my perpetual home. So I automatically dwell in that state. And if I dwell in it so that automatically I am in that state, it becomes my dwelling place. So, I will go and prepare a place for you. I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to myself. I will take you, Neville, born behind the eight ball, born unknown, unwanted, poor, everything that is simply behind the eight ball. And I'm going to take you, Neville, now that you have found me, the second man, the Lord from heaven your own wonderful human imagination. Now that you rouse me, I will go. And I will dwell in that state and feel myself to be Neville, that outer man I just left on the chair or left on the bed, and I will see the world as Neville would see it if he were with me now. I view the world from that state, and then when it seems natural to me, I return to the physical outer man that I left on a chair that I left on the bed, and as I return, we fuse and become one person, not two. Then I move across a bridge of incidents that I don't really rationally build and simply appears, and I move across a series of events that I do not reasonably determine. They simply happen. I will move across the bridge of events up to the state where I entered and now dwell, but when I get there, it seems so natural. The man that thought because of his past limitations he could never enter that state, now he finds himself in that state. No matter whom he meets, he meets them from that state, and it is perfectly natural to him. This is the story that scripture teaches to you, to me, and to everyone in the world. But until you find God, which is your own self, you aren't going to do it. Be still and know that I am God, or that I am is God. There is no other God. And you think that's blasphemy. All right, the one who teaches the story was also accused of blasphemy, for he said, I am God. And they picked up stones to stone him. It doesn't mean a man is making a bold statement on the outside. 
the elder man takes the facts of life, these are the stones to stone it. And then he quotes scripture, and he quotes the 82nd Psalm. Is it not written in your scripture that I say, Ye are gods, all of you sons of the Most High? If then I say that I am the Son of God, and the Son of God and God are one, and the same being, why do you stone me when scripture teaches you? You are the sons of God. See John ten thirty four and 37. So they could not stone him then because he was only quoting their book. Well, I'm only quoting tonight your book, which is my book. It's the book to set every man in this world free, if you know who you are. Your true identity is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is not a being who came 2,000 years ago and then departed. He said, I am with you always, even unto the very ends of time. Matthew 28, 20. If he is with me always, where is he? He said, I am with you always, to the very ends of time. Then where is he? I surely know where he is. The conversation now, I am quoting from the 8th chapter of the book of John. It is taking place in you. No one else is hearing it. I am only now quoting from a passage from the 8th chapter of John. You are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I say you will die in your sins, for you will die in your sins, unless you believe that I am he. John eight twenty three and 24. I'm only quoting from the 8th chapter of the Gospel of John. Okay, so I am going to end the lecture here. Um, this is a rather long one. It is about eight page, or 11 pages long. So I'm going to end it now, which is about halfway through. And I will continue with the second half of this lecture in the next episode. Thank you so much for joining me, or joining me here. For today's episode of Catch the Moon, part one, and I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much.